Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Ian Bush, and our opening song tonight was, is titled Evil Woman, and it was written and uh, sung by our guest tonight, Miss Teddy Brunetti, and ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you something. When Michael Stover sent me her 
jacket and said, you might want to bring her on. And I listened to her music and I read her bio. I said, oh, definitely want this beautiful woman on my show. The reason being is she is not only a singer, songwriter, drummer, and band leader. She has come a long way since discovering music as a youth in Pittsburgh. Now, ladies and gentlemen, when I say this next sentence, I understand it, but you young ones will not. She grew up listening to her transistor radio. Yes, transistor radio. Not downloads, not iPads, not earbuds, a transistor radio. And banging along on a hamper and hat boxes. Yes, she's a drummer. In fact, Teddy has pretty much seen it all as a touring drummer with notable national and international acts like Eloise Laws, Isis Carol McDonald, and Witch, and the Debbie Harry slash Mick Jones produced B-Girls. She has since formed the Teddy Brunetti Band and is seated upon her throne as the band leader and reigning queen of Pittsburgh. Welcome, Teddy. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, Yvonne, it's my pleasure. I'm so happy to get this opportunity with you and Ian tonight. Well, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, I'm 70. I I am very proud of the fact that I got to be 70. And I know Teddy's right behind me, but if you go and you look this beautiful woman up, you're going to say, uh-uh. She'd be lying about her age. She's only 40 at the, at the most because she fling those drumsticks. You've heard her. She's got a, a voice that will take the top off the entire state building. What, what got you wanting to play drums? I mean, that was during a time when we didn't play drums. Even in marching bands, we didn't play drums. No, no, that's that's true. I mean, um, it's a it's a it's a funny thing. I mean, I didn't really choose the drums. The drums kind of chose me. Uh, I was at a, I was young. I was, uh, oh, I was about eleven years old, and I went went to a girlfriend's uh, birthday party, and uh, she had an older sister who had a little Victrola record player. You remember them? And oh yeah. They put this, yeah. And they put this 45 on, and it was Brother Lou. It was uh, Louie Louie by the Kingsmen. Do you remember oh, yep. that song? Oh the, yeah. The drums, yeah. the drums are bombastic on that song. And when yeah. they put it on, I was across the room. I heard it, and I was possessed. It shot through me. It was a spiritual thing that happened. It shot through me like a shot of lightning. I ran to that little Victrola, and I I playing the song, okay? And in those moments, I knew this is what you do. You're a musician. You play the drums. I knew I could do it. I and I never played an instrument before. I didn't have. Um, uh, I did have. A, I do have a brother who was a child prodigy classical pianist. He's a big vocal coach in New York City. He went to Carnegie Mellon University for piano. I mean, he's really something. But um, I did have that element going on. But, I mean, in my family. I'm the oldest of 10 kids, by the way. So um, it was – but I was possessed. I mean, they had to drag me away from that little record player. 
And um, it was just something that happened to me. And I went home and I asked if I could have drum lessons. And my parents said no, <laughs> maybe because there was 10 kids. I don't know. But, you know, they, they, my mom said that she, she tap danced when she was a young girl. And I think, she, and, and at one time she wanted to play the drum. She just thought it was a phase I was going through. So I asked for the very next best thing that I think of, and that was guitar. And they agreed to that. And they got me a guitar. And, uh, you know, I did well with, with my guitar lessons. I did pretty well. And that's how that worked out for me because now that's how I write my songs. I can play a little guitar soon. And not a lot of drummers have a melodic instrument like that in their back pocket. So uh, it's... Um, and I started writing songs immediately. I was 11 years old. As soon as I would learn something on a new chord on the guitar, I'd write a new song, you know. And uh, so I've been writing songs for, oh, my God, how long is it? Uh, long time. <laughs> long time. <laughs> you know, 50, almost 60 years. So, you know, um, it's, all, it's all coming together now, you know. I mean, I did have a music career in New York City in the 70s and 80s and gave it up um, when we had our second son our second child and we moved back to Pittsburgh and I went back to school in my mid-30s for uh, ultrasound and I did cardiac and vascular ultrasound for about 20 years and I, I gave up music it was heartbreaking but I did I, you know I lived my life in stages we concentrated on the kids and then I retired about eight nine years ago and started playing again and here I am Ann, I know you've got some questions burning in your head because I feel it all the way through the <laughs> Of course I do. Um, so you're saying you were the one of ten children, right? Yeah, I'm the oldest of ten. So how did you – how was that family dynamic for you for music? Because um, I'm speaking from a, from a place of uh, ignorance for me. Because I'm an only child. Um, uh-huh. What my dream? How did that? <laughs> yeah, right. How did that? How did that play <laughs> out with your with your passions and with your school? Were you able to um, navigate that? And that's not saying nothing negative about your parents. I really hope you don't think that. But um, no, I know no. sometimes the oldest is the one that has to assume kind of the mantle when the parents aren't around, and they kind of get a little bit less than what you know a youngest or an only child would get. Did you have that issue, or how, how was that dynamic? Well, it's interesting because my parents um, were actors, and that's how they met in high school, acting. And then um, actually my life has mirrored theirs in, in a way. You know, they went to New York. They got married and went to New York and tried to make it as actors for a few years. And then I think things happened at home in World War Two and, entered in there and my dad was drafted and things like that. And uh, then they decided um, they wanted to have a a family and they had been in New York and they knew how rough that would be to raise a family in New York. So they stayed in Pittsburgh and and had this big family. And my dad, they did different careers. My mom uh, passed away a few years ago, but she was 91 and she had a uh, college degree. She went to, Pitt. She went to the University of Pittsburgh. She was a school teacher. She could teach high school or elementary school. And my dad was an art director. He was a commercial artist and then became an account executive for a big advertising company here, marketing company. And then when they retired, 
much like my husband and I, they went back to their acting. And they did a lot of, my dad still has an actor's equity card. He's 93 years old. And, um, yeah, so, uh, you know, and like my husband and I, you know, now we're back doing our music again and our, living our dream life and retirement. And uh, I'm not retired anymore, though, retirement anymore. This is uh, I'm, the music business and then trying to learn, you know, how it's done today with all the, you know, social media and, and all this stuff. I, I, have, I have quite a nice team, though. I have uh, Rebel Technology, uh, and, uh, a really fine uh, gentleman, uh, uh, William McDuffie. He's my tech guy, and um, he takes care of my website and helps me uh, with my social media stuff and uh, all the technical things. He's like a whiz kid. On a, he, he, this guy does everything, hardware and software. Uh, he has a 3D printer, just to let you know where he's coming from. He's out there. So he's, so how lucky am I to have found him? And then my, uh, my video production crew, they're young guys. They went to Rutgers University Film School. They're graduates of that. So they're bona fide filmmakers. So um, that's why my videos are um, high level, you know, next level videos. Which and I'm learning about that, which is you know it's always you can teach an old dog new tricks. I've found you know you, uh, I'm still with it. Especially <laughs> especially when we get to the age when we think we're too old to learn. You're never too old to learn, and and technology changes sometimes hourly. It's yeah. Amazing. Yeah. Ian can tell you. I can tell you. I've been in this business for. 20 plus years and just the technology on the computer side alone has just changed so much that if you don't keep up with it, you go back into it after a couple of months and you go, what have they done now? Because they changed it. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I want to go back to evil woman for a minute because when I, when I saw the video and I was listening to the music to get ready for this show, as I was getting it loaded up in the um, audio clip, I'm listening to Evil Woman and I'm going, I'm supposed to be in Florida, but I think I'm down on Bourbon Street, New Orleans. <laughs> Great. Great. How did that song come about? Because when we play some of your other songs, it's gonna you're gonna get a different vibe. Your music repertoire is everything from blues to rock to jazz to pop to you just don't stop yeah. with one genre, which is wonderful. Well, isn't that how we grew up? Uh, the people it, in our yeah. age group, there, Yvonne. I mean. Um, uh, in the in the 60s, 70s, 80s, radio stations, uh, you know, they were more diverse. They weren't so um, genre specific, okay, like it That's is today, true. you know. So you would hear the Love and Spoonful, then you'd hear Led Zeppelin song, then you'd hear the Mamas and the Papas, then you'd hear, uh, um, you know, Carol King. Uh, then you hear the Beatles, and you hear, you know what I mean? Every different kind of music was like mixed in there, you know? So uh, we got to hear every different style, and um, it was, I think, 
we were the luckiest ones as far as that goes, as far as uh, that's when it was so creative and everybody was just it, expressing themselves so freely back in those days. And it was like anything goes. And so that's, those were all my influence, Every, everything you mentioned. And I listened to jazz and I listened to, and I appreciate it. Um, I mean, from the early history of jazz to the more modern uh, free jazz, you know, I listened to it all and um, appreciate it. And I listened to all kinds of rock music and I played all kinds of rock music. Like you said, I, I played in that band, the B-Girls. Uh, we were known as a punk band, but they classified us that. We were more, our music was more pop rock like the Rolling Stones, but um, we weren't so hardcore punk like uh, the Dead Boys <laughs> or something like that. But I played, I played that kind of music in New York City when I was there, uh, when I was young. Uh, played CBGBs quite a bit. You know, the B-Girls did too. We, you know, if we actually made money there, that band, that band was fantastic. And um, that's before people don't really, you know, you try to explain it to these kids today. They have no idea what, what, like, what it was like when the Beatles came out and what it was like uh, without cable TV and stuff. All the, all the styles and fashion and music and creativity came from the East Village in New York City back in those days. And the rest of the country, it wasn't as homogenized a place as it is the whole world today, right? Um, you know, every little city I, I, has the has the same restaurant chains and everything. You know, so I had forgotten about the East Village, but you're right. All of the pop culture came out of the East Village. If if you wanted to be anybody in any place, you wanted to be there. Yeah. Well, New York uh, for us back then, it was still affordable. You could, you know. The East Village, believe me, we, Alphabetville, right, Al, Al, Avenue A, Avenue B, Avenue B, et cetera. Um, I mean, really, you should have a gun when you go down there, you know, back in the day. And now it's uh, all gentrified and it's, you know, let's say I have a, it's a joke between me and some of my friends who are in still in New York, you know, uh, we don't know what the, we don't know what the heroin addicts are doing, what the junkies are doing, because a closet in New York City costs a million dollars to live in, you know. So everything's a million dollars and up. So <laughs> we're like, what are the drug addicts doing? Where are they living? But uh, it's kind of a joke with us. But uh, you know, back in the day, it was, it was still um, affordable then, and and that's part of the reason why after. Um, having uh, two children now and, and in the late 80s um, we decided to come back to Pittsburgh because New York was getting cost prohibitive. Right. So, um, you know, and, you know, we gave it the old college try. Nobody could say we didn't. It, it, was, a, it was a bunch of circumstances. My manager, who was a, a big Warner Brothers uh, guy, uh, he had had his second baby and he decided to put his uh, time and fortune into uh, developing a, co- a company because he needed to make money now because he had two kids. Um, mm-hmm. And he put together, he actually put together, his name was Ahmed Tayir. He was Turk, and he was hooked up with all the uh, the Turks from um, Ahmed Erdogan and all of them over at Atlantic Records. He was part of that whole 
gang of guys. And um, he was a pioneer in video. He put together the first uh, commercially viable videotape, which was Jane Fonda's video. Do you remember that? Wow. Yep. I that did. was when that was, that was when you know video video uh, recorders back then or players, whatever they, you want to call them, VCR things. They were um, they cost over a thousand dollars in the beginning, and, they, and that was a lot of money back then. So you know, not everybody had them, but the first really um, commercial videotape was um, Jane Fonda's video, and he did all the behind the scenes things, you know, the business deals with the put the producers together with the artists and the distribution and all that stuff. He worked the business end of it behind there. He did a lot of that kind of stuff for it. And he he did Madonna. He did the same thing for Madonna. He did uh, Madonna's Like a Virgin video. Mm, I remember uh, that one. Yeah. And so, and then when I signed with him, he wanted to manage me. All right. He never managed. He was. He never really um, managed anyone before, but he he knew what to do. All right. Right. He was great, you know. And it was really something to hook up with him. This was with my first album, and um, what happened was he put this company together called Macrovision, and that was the company that they they produced the copy guards on the videotapes. Remember when you would rent a videotape and it would scramble it so you couldn't copy it? Yep. Yep, that was his company. So, wow. Yeah. So so when that happened, um when he you know, when he went that way and and then we had we had family issues at home. Uh my husband's poor sister was, was dying. She ended up dying. His mother uh, his dad had passed away years before, but his mother came down with breast cancer. And then there was a, a whole, you know, stances with my family where my parents were retiring and moving to a, a smaller house. So the house that I grew up in became available. So we came back to Pittsburgh and bought my dad's house. Wow. I'm trying to sell it right now. <laughs> so, so Ian, Ian, you're getting a whole history lesson in music in like 15 minutes. Yeah, that's why I'm sitting here quiet, just taking it in, like writing down the, okay, so this, that, the third. No, actually, you know, I am keeping up pretty well. I, there's a couple of things that I'm like, ooh, I don't know what that is, but we'll we'll, we'll talk later offline. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, that just segues, Teddy, into something that, that you and I talked about before we went live. Now, ladies and gentlemen, and do not do it now, ladies and gentlemen, wait till after the show. <laughs> Teddy has just released a new song called Eat, Sleep, Repeat, and she has a YouTube video of, with this song. Now, she needs a 1,000 subscribers. She has a whole boatload of people that have gone and viewed it, thousands of people have gone and viewed it, but the silly gooses did not subscribe subscribe to her channel. So when she puts up new videos, it automatically lets you know she's got something new out there. So when this show is over, go look up her YouTube channel and watch the video. I'm getting ready to play the song. This song was just released today. So... Just hang with me, but do not go to the video until after the show, because you know, ladies and gentlemen, I will find out, and I will find you, because I have skills. 
This is Off the Chain. I'm your host, Yvonne Mason, with my co-host, Ian Bush, and my guest, the wonderful music artist, Miss Teddy Brunetti, with Eat, Sleep, and Repeat, and you will hear it first here. From this weather-tight six-floor window, I hear voices from people below. Can't quite make out what they're saying. Not sure that I want to know. Hit the pavement, sunglasses, and ball caps. Stepping over and on sidewalk cracks. Cafe Ray, T-shirt car, the usual mom. Sweeping enterprise, keeping on track. It's the pulse of the city, the family of that. Healing, revealing, it's pretty man. Humankind in a twine, a big melting pot. In a grind all together, like it or not. Eat,
Yvonne Mason with my co-host Ian Bush and our guest, the one and only Miss Teddy Brunetti, singer, songwriter, drummer, and band leader. And that was her newest release, Eat, Sleep, Repeat, that the video went live today on her YouTube channel. Teddy, tell the folks, is it listed under Teddy Brunetti or is it listed under your Teddy Brunetti band? under my YouTube channel is Teddy Brunetti Official. Okay? That's the name of it. Teddy Brunetti. T-E-D-I B-R-U-N-E-T-T-I Official. uh, And that's the YouTube uh, channel. So uh, ladies and gentlemen, go on on that YouTube channel and subscribe so that she can get followers and in order to get monetized on YouTube, you have to have a thousand followers. Doesn't matter how many listeners you have, you've got to have a thousand followers. And in this day and age of insanity, where the country is still trying to open itself back up, Teddy and I talked before we went live about her band. Her band is scattered all over the East Coast. They've not been able to get back together to to start going and doing live gigs yet. So we need to support this wonderful indie artist and show her love and and buy her music and sign on to her YouTube channel and subscribe to it because you're going to be sorry when she starts doing gigs and you can't get a ticket. Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) Now, Teddy, that song has got, when I when I hear that song, this as a as a as an author and as an artist, this is what I see in my in my artistic eye. I see a smoke filled speakeasy, nineteen twenties prohibition. You got the zoot suits and the hats and the the women that were dressed to the nines and the men that looked like they just walked out of a magazine. They're drinking. <laughs> prohibitive liquor and you got this jazz blues singer standing up there singing this song it's got that 1920s feel to it how did this song come about yeah it's it's interesting i put like um that's my that's my jazz in my my older jazz influence which is like a big band kind of thing i kind of made uh, it just you know, I kind of orchestrate and arrange uh, my music from behind the drums, okay? So, which is right. lucky for me because, you know, being the drummer and the songwriter and the singer, you know, um, I know a lot of songwriters, like, they'll, they'll write a song and they'll say, well, what kind of feel should we put to it, you know? They'll get their chord changes, their melody, their lyrics, and then they, they have to come up with a groove where I, I start, I get the, I get... I write some titles. I write like those Tin Pan Alley uh, songwriters. I studied songwriting in New York City when I was there all those years. Studied with ASCAP, had programs, and I studied at the Songwriters Guild. And um, that's the that's the method I learned um, um, in New York in my twenties to you know to write songs. And so I write some titles and. Um, Anyway, so when, when I was uh, when we were putting this one together, I, I was teaching the, uh, Dean and Mike, my uh, producers, uh, uh, Dean Allen Sargent and Michael Hennigan, my husband Jim Mason, um, 
teaching them the song. We were in our rehearsal studio we have here, and um, we hit that uh, hit that chorus, and I I just started to swing it like that, and it was um, it just worked, you know, <laughs> it just worked. So it's got like a modern jazz type of shuffle. That song's interesting. It's a it's a halftime shuffle, if you know what that is. This is where all you music people out there. It's a halftime shuffle, and then it goes into a, a swing. And um, I played behind it, and that's behind the beat, okay? And it's, I don't know. I, I dig it. <laughs> I like that song. It's different. It's different. You don't, hear, you don't hear it a lot anymore, but it works, you know? Everybody seems to like it. So, I mean, I, I we always feel... Uh, my production guys and, you know, the band and everything, if we dig it, then other people are going to like it too. It does something for me. I know when it's good. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't know a lot. I don't know a lot in this world, but I know music. And I know, I know when it's, when something feels right. And that song just works, you know? So, do you, um, do you um, have anything that, because you've done a lot in such a short time. Is there anything that you haven't done yet that you're interested in doing, um, be it musically or with your career or personally, that maybe a lot of people don't know is something that you want to do? I don't know. I mean, I would really, I would really love to tour in Europe, all right, because I've never – I've been to Europe, but I've never played there, all right? So that is, you know, that is something – I have hopes for because I'm not dead yet. So I think, you know, that's, you know, I'm trying to get known now with these videos and things and, you know, with the internet and everything. And I guess a year ago we were hoping everything would be back to normal now, but it still isn't, you know, travel is still restricted and there's, you know, problems with it because of COVID and these variants and all this stuff. So within the next year or two, you know, we'll be able to maybe do that, you know, but you you have to have some kind of following or be hooked up with another artist who does, you know, like an opening act kind of thing, something like that might happen. So I'm laying a foundation now, you know, and the next thing I want to do is try to um, get into sync and licensing, get some of these songs, uh, maybe in movies, TV shows, video games, whatever, uh, that, however they use, um, uh, music in that way so that'll help monetize everything too you know because um, i'm t- when they when they say you're independent you're independent i mean this yep. is coming out of my bank account you know our bank account my husband god bless him he's uh he's all, of course he's all in you know we've been uh, and that's we've what been partners that's what, uh, in life and in music you know that's what the public doesn't understand is when, when I say an indie artist, ladies and gentlemen, I am saying we as artists do our own out-of-pocket promoting. We don't have big-time investors or big-time producers or big-time this or big-time that. All this comes out of our pocket. And so in order for... Teddy to get the exposure she needs, we bring them on this show because we're heard in in 30 plus countries. Right now we're at 146,000 plus listeners all over the world. If this helps get 
10 new listeners or get Teddy mm-hmm. to have 10 people buy her music or download her music, that helps her as an artist to be successful. Not that she isn't already successful because she has lived, done more in her lifetime than most of us do in 10 years of our lifetime. And the thing is, Teddy did not, she put it on the back burner to raise her family and take care of other issues. But when you're a true artist, you always have to go back to it because that part of your life is missing. And and it's like something keeps calling you and pulling you back to your passion. And I can guarantee you, she's probably working harder than she's ever worked in her life, but she's not working because it's a passion. Teddy, am I right? That's exactly right. It doesn't, well, you know, and, and at this age, too, you know, the rest of my life doesn't depend on it. When I was younger, right. you're always hoping for that break and because you want to support yourself uh, doing your music, your, your passion. Um, now I'm financially stable, praise God, and um, I'm able to do it without that, with the luxury of not having that uh, hanging over me. And so Correct. the rest of my life doesn't depend on it. And I actually... We actually made this album. I, we had a little blues cover band about five years ago. And, um, of course, I've always done my own music. And um, so that didn't last that long. I started uh, writing again and then decided, I said, you know, honey, let's do another, let's do an album and we for the grandkids. We started to have grandchildren. So um, <laughs> I said, so they'll... So they would know. We, that's why we did this album. So they would know the grandma and grandpa were cool ones. All right. So that was the idea behind recording. And just by a fluke, I ran into Dino's wife on Facebook, and because we hadn't talked, he produced my first album in New York City, Dino and Sergeant. He was a first chair, uh, first call rather, um, recording engineer in New York City. And interesting enough, his uh, one of the things I wanted I wanted to get this in. Um, because he deserves it. Uh, Tommy Uzo, who is who's who in recording mix engineering. All right, he passed away last year. My song, Eat, Sleep, Repeat, was probably the the uh, last finished product he ever worked on. And he wow. was he was going to he he was also he's a friend of Dino's. They grew up in uh, Long Island together and got into recording engineering together. But he's he has Grammys. Good old Tommy Uzo U Z Z O. Look him up, everybody. You'll you'll see his uh, resume. I mean, he's he's mixed uh, Mary Jane Blige, Michael Jackson. Uh, uh, oh my God, every hip hop artist around. I mean, because he that's what he did for a living. I couldn't afford him, you know. Really, <laughs> uh, he made he makes like thirty. He at the time he was making like thirty grand or something to, uh, to mix an album, you know. And so um, he was out of my price range, but he was a friend of Dean's and he heard the music and he was a consultant on this whole album. And, um, well, he liked my voice and he liked my music and he liked the fact that we were real musicians playing real instruments. And it wasn't something that came out of a computer because everything that was coming across his desk comes out of a computer. But I have my own philosophy about that too. You know, uh, pop music, um, has always, since the minstrels, represented um, whatever's going on 
uh, in society at, at that time. And right now, aren't we all into our computers and our phones and everything? I mean, everybody's face is in a phone or a computer. So that's yep. why the, that's where the music's coming from, computers, you know. It, it, it represents, you know, it always, um, yeah, so it makes sense. Well, and I don't think, you know. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing that we're um no I would say no. it's bad that we're stuck in our phones. I'd just say necessarily it is kind of hard to disconnect. I, I kind of uh really appreciate the times that I can just shut my phone off and just focus on the moment, you know, and and focus on whatever, but I think um I don't know. Being on the phone helps me out a lot. I know that wasn't the <laughs> tangent you were going on, but that was the the thread because we talked about the history of you know music and the history of instruments and stuff. So I think the history right. of technology is even a good one to to discuss too. That you know I I get sad. I can call you Vaughn. <laughs> I get happy. I can call you Vaughn. You know what I mean? Like it's it's amazing. Oh, it's sure, awesome. Sure. Yeah. But it's um, like it's like everything. And, she, and she's old enough that she'll answer the phone. You know. <laughs> <laughs> if I call my kids, they won't answer. But if I text them, I'll get a text back before I can blink. You know. <laughs> right. Speaking of kids, Teddy. Speaking of kids, I read something that blew me away. Ladies and gentlemen, there was. She said something, and I and I hope I wrote the quote down right. It says. I want to be like an Italian grandma who cooks for the holidays. And I thought, what? Where are you going to fit that in, Teddy? You're too busy. Yeah, tell my kids that, would you? I got to pass this. <laughs> I got to pass the torch to these daughter-in-laws. You know, I got to teach them how to make sauce that I can eat. <laughs> I tell my grandkids that. I said, I'm going to teach you how to cook this someday. I'm going to teach you how to do this because someday grandma's going to be too old to do this, and I'm going to want spaghetti, and you're going to have to make it. There you uh, go. I, I love yeah. to cook. That's another, you know, the years that I wasn't doing music, I got into cooking, okay? And I, tr- I tried different recipes with foodies, with foodies. My grandfather was a chef, okay? He had a oh, restaurant wow. and uh, I have uncles who were chefs, and uh, you know it's in our it's in our blood. Now, I come from this Italian family. My grandmother, my my little Italian, both my grandmothers were good cooks. Uh, but um, yeah, we we you might in my big Italian family when we have get-togethers, it's like there's more pictures of the food than there are of people. <laughs> I, I've heard you know. that a time or two. I have a couple of Italian <laughs> friends. Yeah, it's. It's all about the food. Forget the people. It's all about the food. Yeah, I, I'm I'm dating uh, I'm I'm dating someone who's has a little bit of Italian and yeah, it's it's the food. <laughs> it's the food. I my my wine and cheese um count has exponentially increased. Um with with the meat yeah. too. Like I never knew there was a pairing thing that you had to like abide by. Like it was <laughs> It's pretty good. Like I've learned some stuff from her, so I appreciate her. Or like you can't drink red wine for breakfast. I don't know why. You have to start with the white wine. <laughs> well, if, if I'm glad you started I, laughing. Because Yvonne, Yvonne's not going to put up with it tonight. She's like, no, Ian, you don't start drinking wine for breakfast. <laughs> See, now I'm grounded. No, you're supposed to put the brandy in the coffee for breakfast. 
Irish cream or the Grand Marnier or the Amaretto. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, well, we started we started we started our day off on the right wrong foot. I don't know, man. That, <laughs> Wine and coffee don't mix. Those, those things do not pair. Who said I start with coffee? Yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> <laughs> we knew what we were doing. We're professionals. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but anyway, people, people don't even talk to me till I've had coffee. If my phone rings before I've had coffee, I say, "Say hello at your own risk." You know, speak at your own, <laughs> speak at your own demise. <laughs> You know, I actually used to be. I, um, um, I'm with you, Elizabeth. I used to be a morning person when I was uh, like in high school and stuff. I shouldn't have said it like that. That made me sound like I was like 20 or something. Back when I was in high school. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, now, as I get older, I'm actually starting to become a night owl a lot more, mm. um, just because it's like that's the only time that I get to myself. You know, the day is dedicated mm-hmm. to whatever BS is going on. So it's like nights comforting. Do you feel that? Like, how do you, when do you feel most creative in the day, in the night? doesn't matter. Well, I have to say, I, I, I kind of like the night, you know, um, I like it when it's dark and we have a lot, um, in the warehouse district here in Pittsburgh in the script district, it's called the script district. And I have a view of the, city and I see the whole I see everything lit up and it's um inspiring you know it's beautiful yeah and um but I've always been that way even in in New York even when I was younger there's something about late night you know one o'clock in the morning you know and on um I I also like the night because it shuts your go ahead I'm sorry no, no. Go ahead. I also like the night because it shuts your senses off. Like you can't really see anything, so you have to rely on your other senses. I'm I'm kind wow. of surprised how much we rely on our eyes for things. And um, I've said it a couple of times um, on the show, but I'm also a volunteer firefighter. And so, oh. you, you know, when you're firefighting, you don't you don't get the luxury of using your eyes in a burning house when you're trying to find something. You got to use your ears or your, your nose, even though I wouldn't, I wouldn't suggest oh. it or your, your touch, you know? <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, I definitely don't suggest a taste either. Do not, don't, don't try it for taste. It's <laughs> touch and touch and ears, touch and ears people. But um, yeah. So I, I always kind of like that from night that it kind of makes me feel like I'm firefighting again. Like I've actually told everybody, like firefighting is probably the best drug of choice for me because unfortunately, you know, somebody's losing their house or something, you know, it's their worst day. But for me, I'm like, Oh shoot. Like I, I get to go do like Superman stuff. Like sign me up. Like let's do it. Oh, that, that's like, really great that you do that. Thank you for doing that. It's such an important thing. I have, I have a, uh, uh, a niece who's married to a, a guy who's a, volunteer fireman, you know. Yeah. And uh, Same. yeah, he's he's always saving somebody, you know. Yeah, uh, I, I you know, I, I kinda felt bad after a while though because of the all the calls and whatnot and all that. Like yeah. it was it's kind of a demanding I mean, you'd be sending in dinner and then you're off, you know. 
but sorry, right. tangent. I guess tonight, uh, Yvonne, all I'm going to do is tangents tonight. <laughs> Maybe not necessarily support the conversation, but like go off in the distance and be like, oh, yeah. So rein me in, Yvonne. Rein me in. Does that once in a while. Have to let him get it out of his system, and then we move yeah. on. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little spacey child sometimes. <laughs> but, but, Teddy, that, that does into you and I both are of that generation where many, many times our passions and dreams were put on hold because we had to go to work every day or we had to raise children or we had to do this or we had to do that. But now that, that that chapter of your life has sort of taken on its own life form and you're back to doing what it is that you have loved since you were a child, beating on hampers and old hat boxes, <laughs> and, and that very first song, Louie Louie, do you find yourself not being able to do anything but constantly think about new songs, the drum beat, putting the music together, putting the lyrics together, more jazzy, more bluesy. As an artist, this has to be your every waking moment. Yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm always, um, I always have, I let things kind of simmer on the back burner, you know. Everything, uh, I'll get an idea. I, I have ideas for the next album already, some songs. And uh, wow. I'll probably start that. I'm going to start that next year, probably. Um, I'm planning on it. Um, I still have one more, at least one more. You know, my songs, the thing about them are they tell stories. So they lend themselves right. so well to video. Okay. And um, I'm going to do a, a pull out all the stuff super video next of uh, my song, The Queen of Pittsburgh, you know, but um, that's a whole another thing. But so I love this video. So. But, um, but yeah, I let things kind of um, roll around in the back of my mind for a while. And then when I sit down to actually write, um, I don't know, I just, I believe in myself as a songwriter and I, I, I'm not prolific, all right? I don't write songs every day. Uh, I, I know a lot of people do, but I write out of necessity. It's like, okay, we're going to do an album. I need to write 10 songs, you know? So, right. um, and I, you know, so as a result, I don't, I don't write a lot of crappy songs. I, I, I craft the songs until they're, until I think they're worthy of being recorded, okay? That they're, I, don't, I don't write bad songs. If it, if it isn't going right, then I change it and do something. I just make it work, you know? So, um, and, and like I said, I, I, I believe in myself as a songwriter, and I kind of have this mantra that the words are out there. I just have to wait for them to come to me, but the right words are all there, you know? I don't have to make up words. They're all there, and the right thing will happen. And things just seem to fall together for me in a fairly easy way. Sometimes I get stuck and I walk away from it, and uh, but it'll be rolling around in the back of my head. And as I experience my life during the day, like that evil woman song, a lot of that came from sitting in the uh, beauty 
uh, you know, we, we call them beauty salons. They call them hair salons today, right? Uh, um, I, sitting in the hair salon with these, you know, 20, 30-something hottie girls and listening um, to their stories about their boyfriends and their husbands and who's cheating on who and who's, you know, you know, they're married, they have kids, and she has a boyfriend, and he has a girlfriend. <laughs> it's just like, what the hell? They don't have any rules, you know what I mean? But listening to their stories, uh, listening to them chatting about their lives, which I love, you know? And, uh, you know, so that's kind of, that's what that song's about. It's about the 20, 30-something generation, you know? And, so, and uh, the, uh, they, the, the, 20, 30-something generation, I don't think they they understand, and, and Ian, don't take this personally because it's not about you, it's in general. They don't understand the idea of loyalty. Mm. My, my yeah. son-in-law, I love my son-in-law with yeah. all of my heart, but he, he doesn't get loyalty. He doesn't get you're married, you're supposed to be with that person and nobody else. Or if no, I, I agree. Well, but think about the culture that we're in right now. We're in the culture of touch and touch and play and touch and go and touch and instant gratification. Like, I can't tell you That's the amount of times that I've, I've been involved in something, not even romantically. I'm just saying in general, you know, be it a book, be it a song, or uh, a song. God, Yvonne, send me to bed. Um... <laughs> Be it, you know, a situation, and they're like, well, shoot, I don't need this. And it's like, well, this is how you build relationships. Like, it's not going to be sunshine and flowers all the time. You should be very, like, I mean, essentially what you said. You should be very faithful to whatever situation you're in, whatever you're doing. I mean, be it romantically or artistically, or you should be faithful to that. And guess what, ladies and gentlemen? We have now reached our five-minute mark. Just like that. Wow. (laughs) And I told Teddy she would say that. (laughs) (laughs) This hour goes by so fast that because we, like I said, the show's unscripted and we talk about everything. That that gives our audience availability to understand and know the artist on a different level rather than just the same old tired. How was your album? Where did you get it? Yada. We talk about everything. That's yeah. how we're called <laughs> off the show. So come, yeah. we will be back on the air Monday night, ladies and gentlemen, with an old friend of mine who was one of the first people on my show through Michael Stover. Michael Stover with MTS Management. He is the best. Richard Lynch he will is. be with us. And I cannot wait to have him back on the air. I have missed him. He is one class act. Teddy, if you ever get the opportunity to perform with him, take it and run with it like you stole it because he is one class act. And then on Tuesday night, we will have Robert Wagner, who is also a music artist, on at 8 o'clock with us. And, Teddy, will you come back when you release that new album, when you get it up and ready to go, will you come and let us launch it on this show? Oh, wow. That would be that would be exciting. Sure. Of course. Thank you. Yes, I'd well, love and to do that. Well, and the that is because Michael Stover always sends me 
my the artist new songs and says, Yvonne, you might want to listen to this. And then I say, yeah, we're bringing them back. So I will let him know that, that when you get this album ready to be released, we want to bring you on and release the album on the show for the whole world to hear it. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be fun. You're quite welcome. And any last words from you, my dear? No, I just want to thank everybody who listens to my music and um, watches the videos and thank people like you uh, for uh, supporting uh, artists, uh, independent artists like myself. And it it really means a lot and uh, it's very helpful. And it, it just gives us a little bit of a spark to just keep going, you know, so Thank you for that. You are quite welcome. Anne, do you have any last words? Oh, you know, I always do. No, I and I I guess, again, I'll, I'll kind of follow up with that, too. Just the attitude of gratitude for tonight, you know. I really appreciate uh, all the work we do. And I think there is enough wisdom thrown out today that I don't need to do any words of wisdom. And I think sometimes the best wisdom you can give someone is just a thank you or a compliment. So. I appreciate y'all doing this tonight, and I appreciate everyone tuning in, and uh, hopefully we'll make some more magic real soon. Oh, yeah, come Monday night, because I think you've been on the show with Richard Lynch and I. I think you co-hosted that show. You might have even interviewed him when I was taking that some time off. He's an yeah, amazing maybe. Uh, It's possible. I'm better with voices. Uh, if I hear his voice, I'll be oh, yeah, I remember you. <laughs> yeah, there you go. And Teddy has said she will come back. So, ladies and gentlemen, get ready because next year she's already, you heard it first here, she's getting ready to put together another album next year. She's writing songs. She's getting the music all together. And she has agreed to launch it on the show. You do not want to miss it. You do not want to miss Monday night with Richard Lynch because he's got some new music out. You don't want to miss Tuesday night because if you haven't heard Robert Wagner, you haven't heard music. Go and check out Miss Teddy Brunetti official YouTube. Subscribe. Tell your friends and family, even your enemies, because she don't care as long as she gets those hit buttons, those subscribe buttons. Don't just like it. Subscribe to her channel. Check her out on her webpage because she is amazing. And one last thought, ladies and gentlemen, and I know Teddy and Ian will agree with me, you are never too old. To live your dream. You just have to ask yourself, how bad do you want it? Am I right, Teddy? You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Age is just a number. Age is just a number. And I'm 70 and earned every year of it. So, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) we've closed the show tonight. I want to thank you both. I am Yvonne Mason with Off the Chain with my co-host Ian Bush, who I absolutely love with all of my heart, and he knows it, with our new friend, music artist, songwriter, singer, drummer, and band leader, the queen of Pittsburgh, Miss Teddy Brunetti. Check her out. So next Monday night, we're signing off with Good Night. Good night, guys. Good night. Good night. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.